feet, whichever which way you like to go. Turn on a Bible, but get to the book of James chapter 2. Jumping back into our study of James, we took a break last week, but we are in James chapter 2 once again, and this is actually a continuation from uh, two weeks ago. This is the second part of um, where we began two weeks ago. But as I was preparing this message, I started thinking about electricity and wind. And um, how many of you have ever seen electricity? Anybody? How many of you ever seen wind? No. You never see electricity. You never see wind because they are invisible. Okay? They're unseen. So the question has to be asked is if electricity and wind are unseen and invisible, how do you know they're there? All right? If I were to tear apart this wall, you will see um, yellow wiring go through the wall. Now, if you were to take that yellow wiring, that yellow outside is insulation. If you were to rip that apart, inside of that will be three wires, a white wire, a black wire, and a green wire. Now, if you were to strip off the white and the black and the, the green, you would have three copper wires. Now, how many of you, if you just had three copper wires, would be willing to grab those three wires? But you don't see the electricity. I mean, you can look at the copper wire, you don't see it. But none of us would be willing to grab it. Why? Because the moment you grabbed it, you would know electricity is there. You see, you know electricity, even though it's invisible, is there because when you flip a switch on, lights come on or a machine comes on or something happens to reveal it being there. Same with wind. If I were to open a door, go outside or look out the window and shout, it's windy outside. Is anybody going to go, oh, you can see the wind. That's great. No, I don't see the wind, but what do we see? The effects of the wind. You see leaves blowing around. If you go outside, your hair's going to blow. You're going to feel the wind. You see the evidence of something unseen. You see, this is where James is going in James chapter 2. James is saying, and James, uh, where we are in chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, that if you have faith, True, real, genuine, saving faith, you will see it, but not the faith by itself. You see, faith alone by itself is invisible. It's unseen. You can't see it. When someone says, I have faith, it's not like radiating on the body. You can't see faith. But James is going to show us in these verses, here's how you know and see faith. Evidence from the person. The life is different. The life has changed. There's things happening in a person's life that show I have faith. Just like wind. I can't see it, but I see the effects of it. And so that's where we are going here in James 2, 14 through 26. And I started this two weeks ago, and I've entitled these two messages, Evidence of Saving Faith evidence okay and I started this two weeks ago and and I, I'm giving three points of what evidence looks like all right now I looked at 
the first main point two weeks ago, but I want to I want to uh, give it again. Some of you may not have been here, and and I want to refresh our memories because um, I don't know about you, but um, I forget things like from yesterday. So I have a pretty good feeling. A lot of you, if I were to say, "Hey, tell me what I spoke on two weeks ago," you'd be like. So how about a refresher on point number one, and then we'll dive into the last two points of what James has to tell us about this thing called faith. So here's the first thing. Write this down. I would encourage you to take notes, use your outline, use your notebook, whatever you have. Those of you online, do the same thing. But here's the first thing about um, evidence of saving faith. Number one, saying I am a Christian isn't evidence of saving faith. Saying I'm a Christian isn't evidence of saving faith. The reality is in verses 14 through 20, James is actually giving two arguments of what is not saving faith. So James begins there in verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? So he is saying, if someone is saying, hey, I have faith, that is Equivalent today's modern um, saying, someone saying, I am a Christian, okay? It's just someone saying, I'm a Christian. So he's saying, so if someone says they have faith, meaning I, I have faith in Jesus, he says, if they say they have this faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? He's asking a rhetorical question. And he's asking this because he wants people to sit there for a second and to ask and truly wonder, if I um, say I have this faith, if I say I'm a Christian, but there's no evidence, can it save me? Am I truly saved? And then he goes on and he says in verse 15, if a brother or sister who is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So he says, okay, you acknowledge the need, you see the need, you respond to the need, but you don't do anything for it. There's no evidence of what you're saying. He says, what good is it? And then in verse 17, he says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now notice in these three verses, he says three times, And he uses the word faith. Now, when you get to verse 18 through verse 26, he says the word faith eight more times. So in these 12 verses, he uses the word faith. Faith, 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 faith. All right? And and it's not just a faith where it's like I have facts about God. It's not a faith of mental assertion to say, I know some things about God. It's not even a faith to say, I know what scripture has to say about God. He's not talking about that kind of faith. He's talking about a faith, and I defined it last time, as a complete trust and reliance in Christ for salvation. This kind of faith that Paul or that James is drilling down on, you could call it simply saving faith. It is a faith that I have put in Christ alone. It's a faith. It's saving faith in Christ that you and I need in order to be forgiven, to be saved from our sin. Saving faith is a faith in Christ that justifies me before God. 
Saving faith is a faith in Christ which produces the righteousness of God in me. Saving faith is a faith in Christ that gives me eternal life. That's the kind of faith that James is drilling down on. He is talking about a saving faith. And he's talking about this saving faith in a way where he says if a person genuinely has saving faith, not just I have faith, but a saving faith, that faith will be evident through what I do. Okay? Now, as we work through these verses, James says some things that are very controversial. He says some things that make you go, hmm, now wait a minute. That sounds a lot different than what I've heard before. You know, James, like, he, like I said, in like verse 17, he says, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Look at verse 20. He says, do you, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Look at verse 22. He says, you see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Look at verse 24. He says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Look at verse 26. For as with the body is apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. I mean, it's not like James just says it once. He, he, he keeps repeating this. If you don't have works with your faith, it's dead. So you, it causes you to pause for a moment, doesn't it? Because if you know Paul's teaching, Paul says, no, works don't save you. Faith alone. But here James is saying, no, 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 no. Faith alone doesn't save you. Works does. So it's got to cause you to step back and go, oh, I'm confused now. And it's actually caused a lot of stirring in the church for a lot of years. In fact, this has given um, some um, denominations proof that you've got to work in order to be saved. So is Paul contra I mean, is James contradicting Paul? Is, is Paul saying one thing and now James is like, ah, Paul, he didn't know what he was talking about. Here's, no, not at all. You got to, if you can picture this in your mind, picture Paul and James standing back to back and they're on a hill and they're protecting the hill and the hill is the truth about faith and works and they're defending it. They're defending it against wrong thinking, wrong beliefs, and wrong teaching. You see, Paul is defending the hill of faith and works in regards to this. And Paul, when he was going out and teaching, people were telling him, no, Paul, it's not about faith. It's about your works. You've got you've to be circumcised in order to be right. You've you got you to obey the law in order to be right. You've got to work, man. You've you got to do. And if you're not working and doing, you're not saved. And Paul's like, uh-uh, that's not it. it. That's not it at all. Paul's like, you can't be saved by your works. You can't be saved by anything you do. The only thing you can be saved by is the work of Christ. And you put your faith in it. That saves you. You see, that's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Because Jesus says, there's going to come a time where people are going to come to me and say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name 
And did we not do mighty works in your name? And Jesus is going to look at people and go, I never knew you. Why? We did all this work, but how did I never knew you? Because he says, the only people that will know me is those who do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is this, to believe on the Son and in the name of Jesus Christ. See, that's what Paul is fighting over. And he's standing on this hill, and he's like, I am going to fight till my death to convince people you are saved by faith and not your works. But then we have James on the other side of Paul defending the same hill. And James is like, listen, if you have come to faith in Christ, as Paul has taught, and you have that saving faith, it better change you. You see, in James, his defense of, the, of faith and works is this. He's um, fighting against people who are doing this. Um, well, hey, I, I believe in Jesus, so I can live how I want. It doesn't matter what I do. I have a faith, so I'm going to live how I want because I'm going to heaven because I believe in Jesus. And James is like, negative ghostwriter, that's not it. You, you can, you, just because you say you have faith doesn't mean you're saved. Here's how you know you're saved. Your life is different. It's transformed. Not perfect. Everybody say, I'm not perfect. But I am transformed. I'm not the same person. Guess what's happening? Now I am doing things for Christ. I am working for Christ. That's what James is getting after here. He is not contradicting at Paul. They are on the same hill fighting for the same truth. Just going in different directions. James or Paul was about pre-conversion. James was post-conversion. And so James is not refuting Paul. He is not contradicting Paul. James is simply saying that if you know Christ... If Christ has truly saved you, if you have the saving faith, it better change you. It better do something in you. It better produce something out of you. You see, faith is the means in which we receive our salvation. Works are the proof of that salvation. Faith is is the root of my salvation. My works are the fruit of my salvation. Okay? I, I quoted John Calvin two weeks ago, but I, I wanted to quote him again because I think he hits the nail head just boom, right on it. John Calvin says it this way. He says, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. You see, and this is what James is getting after. He, he's trying to tell the person who says, I'm a Christian, but there's no evidence of it. He, he's trying to tell the person, just because you say it doesn't make it so. Let me ask you, um, does that permeate our society? How many people do you know in your life that sit there and say, I'm a Christian, but you look at them and you have to sit and really ask the question and you how do I know you are? How do I know you're a Christian? Because there's no evidence of it. But people will say it every day. I, I, I'm a Christian. I have faith. But there's no evidence. 
And James is drilling down on this. Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary, he says it this way. Any declaration of faith that does not result in a changed life and good works is a false declaration. If I am declaring Christ as my Savior, if I am declaring I am a Christian, if I truly have experienced that saving faith, to come to the point where I say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And I know I'm separated from you for all eternity because of my sin. I need you to be my Savior. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. If I have truly done that, the whole, remember I taught this two weeks ago, the Holy Spirit comes in me and I am changed. The Holy Spirit does a work in me. And what happens is I become more like Christ. The reality is, is if your life is not more like Christ, if your desires are not more like Christ, even though you say you are a believer, you have got to truly ask yourself, have I truly experienced saving faith? Just because I say it isn't evidence. Here's the second thing. Saying I believe in God isn't evidence of saving faith. So here's the second argument. Argument one, James is like, hey, just because you say it doesn't make it so. And now he gives an argument that says, just because you say you believe in God doesn't make it so that you are saved. So if you look at verse 18, James writes, he says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So now James is kind of illustrating this, this argument that he has and, and trying to convince people that faith and works are inseparable. If you have faith in Christ, if you truly have saving faith, you will have works. And he uses a debate. He makes up, he, he makes up this imaginary debate between two people. And so it's like the person, what, what we're reading is a person responding to someone who's already said something. So the person who said, has already said something has said this. I'm a believer because I've said it. He's just coming off of what he's already said. So he's like imaginary. He's like, okay, imagine someone saying, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a Christian. I say I am, so that makes me a Christian. That makes me, I have saving faith. And he's like, someone listening to that going, you know what? Show me. Prove to me you're a Christian by just saying it. And basically he's saying, you can't. You can't prove to me you are a believer in Christ. You can't prove to me you have truly experienced saving grace by just your words. Because faith is invisible. Faith is unseen. So I got to have some evidence of really, if you, have no, if you truly know Christ, produce the evidence. Do you ever, how many of you ever, ever watch um, like shows like CSI or, or crime shows? I love those shows, okay? I'll be, the, I'll be the only one to raise my hand, okay? Now, here's the thing. When you watch those shows, like I like, like a movie I like to, or a show that Poland likes is Blue Bloods with, you know, um, 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 Tom Selleck and, and Donnie Wahlberg. And, you know, Donnie Wahlberg, he plays Danny Reagan. He's just this, like, you know, like in-your-face detective, NYPD detective. And, and he's always going to his sister, who's the assistant DA, and he's like, Aaron, I need a warrant, She's like, why? Because I know he's done it. 
Show me the evidence. He was there. That doesn't mean anything. Show me the evidence. I don't have anything. You don't get a warrant. He says, like, if you would just do your job. He's just like, I'm doing my job. Show me the evidence. And he walks out storming because he doesn't have an evidence to get a warrant. You see, this is where James is to say, show me the evidence. Show me that you are a believer. And he has, he's having this argument. And this guy is like, you can't. And then he's like, I tell you what, since you can't show me your faith apart from your works, I'm going to show you mine by what I do. Because Christ has changed me. And because he's changed me, I'm going to become more like him. And I'm going to do and act. And that's how you'll know I'm a believer. But you don't have any proof. So the argument goes on. The conversation continues. And in verse 19, he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So now, again, this is the person responding to the person who has said something. So before it was, hey, I'm a believer, and, and the, the person is like, well, show me. Prove it to me. And here's how he proves it. Because I believe in God. And according to James, he's like, the, the guy's like responding going, that's great. You believe in God. That's good. Still not enough. And here's why it's not enough. Demons believe in God. But they're not saved. You see, James is trying to show Christians and argue this idea that I can simply say I'm a believer and even say I believe in God. And he's like, it's not enough. And he just drills down on the whole, I believe in God, because he's like, he's like, do you realize that the devil believes in God? Every demon believes in God. In fact, um, the devil knows more about the Bible than you do. The devil knows more about God than you and I do. But are they saved? Is a demon and Satan, have they experienced saving faith? Is their belief in God getting that? No. Why? Because they haven't committed themselves to Christ. They haven't surrendered to Christ. They haven't surrendered to his lordship. They haven't surrendered to his work on the cross. All they have is they have an understanding of who God is. Let me ask you, have you ever heard of this argument from people? Um, you know, going to church doesn't prove you're a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You know, you don't have to serve in ministry. You don't have to do anything. You know, you don't have to do it. That doesn't prove you're a Christian. According to James, it what? Yes, it does. James is saying, you know what? No, going to church does show that you're a Christian. Serving in ministry does show you're a Christian. Doing the things of Christ does. Why? Because that's evidence. Because if I have a desire, because here's the thing. If my desire is I don't want to go to church, but I want to stay home, what am I wanting to worship then? If my desire is, ah, you know what, I don't want to serve. I, I, I want, I got, I'm, I'm going to do things my own way. I want to do things for me. If all my desire is about self and nothing about Christ, I have to truly ask, have I experienced saving faith? And James is saying, if you think just because you say it, 
And just because you believe in God, you think you're saved without any proof, without any evidence, without anything happening in your life, you're wrong. You are not saved. A person who has truly come to Christ. Again, not perfect. None of us are perfect. James is not talking about perfection here. He is talking about proof, though. He's talking about evidence in the life. And a person who has truly come to know Christ, a person who has truly surrendered their life to Christ, committed themselves to Christ, has just like, I am a sinner. Jesus, save me. That person who has truly experienced saving faith, that life will change. That life will transform. And works will come out of it. Billy Graham says it this way. He says, faith that saves has one distinguishing distinguishing quality. Saving faith is a faith that produces obedience. It is a faith that brings about a way of life. People are saved by faith, a faith that is more than a mental ascent. It is one that works. You see, that's saving faith. And this is the faith that James keeps drilling down on. And he keeps saying, if you think you have faith and there is nothing happening, that faith is dead. It is useless. It has not saved the person. Here's the third thing. Now he goes from really arguing to really showing. And here's the third point. Action flowing from my faith is evidence of saving faith. Action flowing from my faith is the evidence of saving faith. Now, you may be thinking, man, Jim, you just keep repeating yourself. I keep repeating myself because James keeps repeating himself. Okay? There's no way you can work through these um, 12 verses and go, I'm going to keep saying the same thing. Because James keeps saying the same thing. He keeps, he, how many of you know he's not hitting 10 different nails? How many nails is uh, James hitting? One. He just keeps driving the same nail. Saving faith changes a life. Saving faith produces works. Without saving faith, that faith is dead. And it's the same nail. And he just keeps driving it, driving it, driving it. And so he now shows us how action will flow from saving faith. Look at verse 20. He says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person? Now, I read that. I'm like, wow, he is not. He's just taking off the gloves. He's just like, hey, you fool. Do you want, do you want me to show you that faith will come out or faith, works will come out of your faith? I mean, could you imagine being called a fool because someone just disagrees with you? I don't know about you, but I'd be like, whoa, dude. You want to go around? But James is like, you're a foolish person if you think that you are saved without works. He's trying to show people that if you have truly been saved, your faith will, be, your faith will produce a work. So he says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? He's like, let me show you this. And he goes back to the Old Testament how many of you know that's a good preacher? Always using scripture. 
He's like, he's like, I'll show you. And he just kind of like, just gives an anecdote. He tells a story about, you know, this little old lady one day. No, he goes, let me show you scripturally. Let me show you what, the, what, what God's word has to say on this. And he goes back to the Old Testament. And in verse 21, he says, Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. There it is. Faith is active along with the works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. So now James goes back to the book of Genesis. Now is James saying that Abraham was justified by his works? Was, is he saying Abraham was saved because he was willing to sacrifice Isaac? No, he is not saying that. Because if, if, if you remember in Genesis chapter 15, God appears and shows up to Abraham and says, Abraham, and remember, Abraham was 75 years old. He, the Bible tells us that him and his wife were past um, the age of childbearing, so they could not physically have children anymore. Sarah's womb had dried up. There was no children. They had no children. But yet God tells Abraham on this one starry night, hey, Abraham, I'm going to give you children. And they are going to be so vast that, hey, come outside with me, Abraham. Come here, come here. Look up at the sky. What do you see? Stars? How many? I don't know. A lot. Exactly. That's how many children you will have one day. Now, Abraham, it says, Abraham, like, forget it, God. That's crazy, man. You, what are you talking about? It doesn't say that. Here's what it says. Abraham believed God. No hesitation. Okay, God, sounds good. I believe you. And I, I'd sit and wonder if God was like, holy cow. You're justified before me because that was impressive. Not even a blink of an eye, dude. you just like, okay. After it says that when Abraham believed God, he was justified before God. He was made right. That was, in essence, his salvation. Okay? Now, here's the thing. It wouldn't be until many, many, many years later, when Abraham was now over 100, and he was about, probably about 110, when God finally says, now, go sacrifice your son. Sacrifice Isaac, the promised one. And what did Abraham do? Okay, God. And he takes Isaac, and he takes a bundle of wood, and he goes up to Mount Moriah, and he goes to the very top, and he even tells the servant, we're, we're going to be back. I'm just going to do what God says. I don't know how it's going to work, but God's going to provide. And he goes up, he puts Isaac on the altar, and God provides the ram. Now, when it says that he was, he was, um, his works justified him, was that work saved him? Was it his work that saved him? He was already justified years prior. God was revealing his faith through his actions. God was wanting to know, okay, Abraham, you said you believe me. Now let's put it to a test. I want to see, will your action really justify your faith? Will your actions truly complete your faith? Let's see. And it did. You see, the action 
the, the willingness to sacrifice Isaac didn't secure his salvation. That showed his salvation. It didn't secure his justification before God. He was already justified before God. This just revealed he had already been justified. How? By showing his actions. You see, Jesus even tells us this in in, uh, John chapter 15, verse 8. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You see, we are to show ourselves as a disciple, okay? We don't become a disciple by showing ourselves. We show ourselves to be, to show people, I'm already a disciple. I'm already a Christian. So we show ourselves. This is what Abraham did. He showed himself that he believed God. But now he doesn't stop there. He goes on, look at verse 25. And in the same way, Was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Now, what's he talking about there? Who's Rahab? You got to go back to the book of Joshua. This is when um, God had told Joshua, I want you to go into Jericho and tear it down, man. We're we're taking them over. But before they went into Jericho, Joshua sent spies into the city. And when he sent these spies into the city, they were approached by this woman by the name of Rahab, a prostitute. Now, what a better way for spies to fly under the radar? Let's find the prostitute. Because we're just dudes in the city, and every every guy is going to find the prostitute. So they find the the, the working woman to make it look like we're we're just visitors. No big deal. And they start having a conversation. And they reveal who they are. And they're like, we're coming in, we're we're killing everybody. Rahab tells the spies, she hides them. Because the king gets the word, hey, we got spies, find them. And she hides them. And she tells them, she's like, you know what? (laughs) We've heard about you guys. We, We got the email early. And, 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 and we've been watching, you know, we've been watching all the stuff on the, on the news. And um, your God has been doing some serious stuff. And, and we are all freaked out. And she makes this personal declaration. She goes, your God is truly the one God. You see, she personally came to a faith in God. She believed that this God These Israelites, these Jewish people, these Hebrews, their God is really the God, and I'm going to believe in him. You see, when she heard that this God was going to do something, she put her faith in him. And now, when the spies come and they reveal who they are, she's like, I'm going to hide you guys because I don't want the king to find you. And then when the king sends out a search party, she goes, now, let me get you out of here. And she hides them and then secretly gets them out of the city. Her actions proved her faith. You see, her actions showed, I believe in this God, I believe in who you are, and I'm going to do something about it. You see, her actions produced something out of her, just like Abraham. His actions flowed from his faith. Rahab's actions flowed from her faith. They didn't just have actions. They, I mean, they didn't just have a faith. They didn't just have a proclamation. They didn't just say, well, I believe in this God and didn't do anything. They didn't sit by idly and just watch. They did. Why? Because it flowed from their faith. 
I sometimes think that too many Christians today, um, we, we are sitting at a, a Major League Baseball game. I love going to Cub games. You know, I love going and you're part of the crowd and the team's down there on the, on the field and they're playing and, hey, if you want a hot dog, you just got to whistle and the guy comes and he gives you a hot dog. You want something to drink, you just got to, hey, and the guy comes and gives you a drink, man. Whatever you want, there's a vendor going to serve you. And then you're just kicking back in the seat. You're getting a tan. You're, woohoo, you're, you're, you're entertained. And how many of you know that's not church? That's not Christianity. But yet how many Christians treat Christianity and the church like that? We, we just love being entertained, man. We'll show up to church when it's convenient, when it fits into our schedule. Man, that worship today, Dusty, that was awesome. I, I enjoyed that. And then we really enjoy being served by everybody else around us. We, we put our kids in children's ministry and just, we enjoy that, that hey, they're, they're being served. And, and man, I love these ushers. They're so polite. And man, they're serving me and they're helping me. Hey, can you tell me where to go? And, but I sit down and I just soak and sit and soak and then I go home. That's it. There's no action. And unfortunately, we have people in our church who, no action. We, we come in, we enjoy the show, we're just part of the crowd. Listen, God does not want us in the crowd. Guess where he wants us? On the field. Hey, do you know what? The bat boy even has a, has a position. He's not playing third base, but he's, he's, got a, he's got a position. The trainer on the team has an important job. Everybody who is part of that organization has a position, and they're doing it. Okay, That's where we are. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are part of the team, and you've got to find your position, and you've got to find your place, and you've got to be... Why? Because action should be flowing out of your profession. Action should be flowing out of your salvation. And James, again, closes this section with verse 26. He says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Hey, do you want to know what, how, how you can determine what real evidence is? James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word, be doers of it. That's how you know you have genuine saving faith. You are a doer of the word. Perfectly? No. Progressively? Absolutely. All of a sudden I become, guess what? I, I, if, if I truly have experienced saving faith, guess what I'm doing? I'm in this thing. I, I, I'm, I'm reading it. I'm coming to worship so I can hear it preached. I'm coming, I'm getting involved in things like a Sunday school class. I'm getting involved in a thing like a small group so I can learn the word of God from, from other people, from the pastor, in my own quiet time. The Holy Spirit is revealing things to me. And as I read the word of God, guess what's happening? It's going in my mind. And I'm here, oh wow, that's what it says. And then if I'm truly saved, saving faith, when I hear the word, learn the word, see the word, guess what I'm going to start doing? responding to the word. Perfectly? Nope. Progressively? Absolutely. So guess what? My desires start to change. I have a desire to come to worship. 
I have a desire to be, you know, and I get it. I mean, we're still living in COVID time and COVID just put a wrench into everything. And I get that. But listen, my desire should be, I want to go worship my Lord and my Savior. I don't want to just worship on a periodic table, you know, like, ah, I'm periodically there, periodically not. I come, you know, the, the, first, the first and the third Sunday, and I'm gone the second and the fourth, and that fifth, that fifth one, well, I'm going to play that one by ear. No, no, no. I'm, and again, I'm not saying that we never go on vacation. I'm never saying we miss a Sunday. But man, I'm telling you, we're living in a time where too many Christians just find it way too easy and convenient to not be here. There's no reason to be in worship. Why? Because we can sit at home and watch. Man, my desire should be, I want to be with God's people and worshiping my God together. There should be a desire in me that says, if I have true saving faith, that, man, I, I want to serve. I don't want to just, as Jesus says, I have not come just to what? Be served, but to serve. And then he leaves an example for us. So if I am a true follower of Christ, a believer in Christ, a Christian, I should be doing what Jesus did. So if Jesus served, guess what I need to be doing? Serving. And I look for opportunities to do that. Hey, um, somebody remind me, did somebody say something about work for Christ opportunities today? Perfect opportunity right there. There's opportunities to serve in our church. Opportunities. We look for opportunities. As, as Paul talks about building up the church, this is why we get, in, get engaged in a small group. Because we encourage one another, support one another, pray for one another. We want to build each other up. And guess what? I can't do that by just showing up on a Sunday morning and then I just stay home and do my own thing. We connect. We be part of other people's lives. Perfectly? Nope. Progressively? Absolutely. Okay? Listen, we're not going to do this thing perfectly. We're not going to love perfectly. We're not going to connect perfectly. We're not going to serve perfectly. We're not going to do worship perfectly. We're not going to do any of this perfectly. But listen, if I am not progressively moving forward, if I can sit and look at my life and go, man, I just, I, I'm just, you know what, I just, when, I'll do whatever I can. Just, you know, I, just, I just don't really care if that's my condition in my heart. I need to do as Paul tells us. I need to examine myself to see if I am in the faith to begin with. Because if I'm truly not in the faith, if I truly have not experienced saving faith, then everything that I'm saying, and even just my belief, means nothing. Because my faith without action, my faith without works, my faith with no evidence is what? Dead. And the question is, is where is your faith? Where's your action? What are you doing? Again, it's not about legalism. This is not about perfection. This is about asking yourself, where am I at? What am I doing? Where am I serving? Where am I connected? How's my worship? Am I looking more like Christ or have I declined and I'm just backing up and you know what, I'm just doing, where are you at? Examine your faith. I can't do it for you. But between you and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will reveal things in your life. The question is, will you be a doer of what he reveals? Amen? Let's all stand. Let's close in a word of prayer.
This is one of those messages, it's, I'm going to be honest, it's hard to hear. This is one of those messages that if we could just really leave it alone and tear it out of the Bible, that would be a whole lot better. Because this is the kind of message where the Holy Spirit really starts to hit hard. And where's the Holy Spirit been hitting you? Again, I know you're, none of us are going to be perfect, but are you progressively moving forward? Where can you step in to serve? Where can you step in to connect with other believers? How's your worship attendance? How are you in, in loving others? How are you in helping build someone else up? I'm going to be honest, I need to keep growing. But the, the, the thing is about saving faith is that you have a desire to grow. You have that desire to be more like Christ. So I would challenge you that while as I pray that if there is something the Holy Spirit's revealing to you, maybe you just need to have a time of, of just confession, maybe repentance, and asking the Holy Spirit to just renew that vitality in your life. And so, Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. It's hard, but we, we understood that from the very first message of, of this series, that the book of James is going to be hard. And uh, God, you, you, you show us that you want us as believers in Christ, as truly someone who has saving faith to be doers of your word. Not just listening to it and then just kind of going on, but Lord, that we listen to it, it changes us, and we become doers of it. That we're not just people just saying we have faith. We're not people just saying that we believe in God, but action is flowing from our faith. And I pray, Father God, that all of us, whether here or listening online, that God, our faith is active. Our faith is, it corresponds with, with works. We know our works don't save us, but God, our, our works reveal that salvation. And, and Lord, I pray that if, if everybody in here and listening online, if they profess to truly be a born-again believer, to have that saving faith, Lord, I pray that, that they're examining their life and um, looking at the works that should be flowing from it. And so, Father, we thank you, and we do praise you, and we just worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.